We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good Good evening. I'm in the the brilliant city of Glasgow, um, and I'm with Craig Houston, who is the mover and shaker uh, behind the Sons of Struth campaign. Before we go any further, I will have to remind Craig that um, he is in a city that was designed and built by a Geordie, Richard Granger. Um, so when he sorted out that he'd done a good job at, uh, in Glasgow, he actually started on your castle. So um, with that, <laughs> with that, with that note, Craig, um, welcome, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have it's great to have you on, and I'm really uh, privileged. All leg pulling aside, that you are uh, giving some of your time up to talk to us tonight. Thanks very much, Michael. Um, glad to speak to some Newcastle fans. And did you say the guy's name was Ranger, the city architect guy? Is that his <laughs> surname? Uh, did I say that? Aye, I suppose I did. Didn't I? Aye, aye. John John Ranger. Aye, that was um, it. Was Granger, but um, oh, that's not that's not fa- that's not far far from it. Nice one. Um, so um, I think um, uh, the Rangers Football Club, um, that great old. Uh, historic club and like our uh, great and historic club has had um, a bit of a, um, a malignant force attached to it of, uh, of recent in recent years uh, Craig do you just want to tell us about the history of Mike Ashley at Rangers okay. our club went into administration 2012 and the new owner was a man strange name for guy buying Rangers was called Charles Green and he set about looking for initial investors to put some money into his pot to enable him to purchase the club. And Mike Ashley was one of those. At the time, because he owned a, a club down south, he went to the SFA and he asked them, you know, if it was okay to invest and what sort of size of shareholding that he could have. Um, he never had more than 10% shareholding, but for some peculiar reason had loads of allies round about him who... Some of them we don't even know their names. There was strange names, Margarita, Blue Pitch, Holdings, had shares in Rangers. Nobody has been able to identify definitely who these people are even to this day. And between them, owned enough to control our uh, boardroom. And we, through, you know, dissecting accounts, etc., we found out facts like our strip deal. We were getting four and five pence for every £10 spent in the shop. Um, we ended up with a seven-year rolling contract at those sort of terms. So obviously when we had issues with the people owning our club, Ashley was, was on our sites. Um, 
we doing business, there has to be fair for both parties. So we don't have a problem having a strip deal where the other party makes margin. That's business. But when it's so lopsided, and then we started looking into other things and we, we found out that the, the superstore at Ibrox um, was signed over to Sports Direct on a 10-year lease at £1 per year. And that was when Lambias and Leach were up here on their board in the CEO's capacity. And these deals were signed a month before these guys were getting voted off our board. The, dog, the, the, the dogs in the street knew the end, the day was close. And they started doing just stupid deals like that. He was lending the club money when he had the opportunity to invest. There was um, share issues which he refused to buy into and at the same time buy shares in the private market. So for those who are not up in business, that basically means he bought shares and paid someone else for the money. Paid someone else, sorry, the money. The money went to them when there was shares available from inside the club which would have saw the money go to the club. And then weeks later, because the club was suffering financially, he would oddly come up with a loan and it would have some outrageous terms attached to it and he would get free advertising. And The um, the one that got to the heartstrings of our fans was um, when he tried to get the stadium as a collateral for a loan that we actually didn't need because there were other investors publicly stating they would give Rangers money and investment and give us shares back. And they attempted to take loans with our stadium as... Um, collateral and for a club whose fans witnessed administration can you imagine going into administration again for a loan you didn't need and losing losing your actual stadium so these uh, these were some of the things that we were uh, learning about Ashley other things he'd done he bought the stadium naming rights for a pound never took up the option right enough but um, how ridiculous is that you think the name of St James's or a you know Ibrook Stadium or a Hamden Park or a Wembley being worth a pound is just insane but <clears throat> that was a measure of all the deals that were done in Ashley's name Sports Direct were the only benefactor of any of them and Rangers football clubs um, were a, a distant a, a distant memory to them we didn't care um, we managed to get rid of that board eventually when we had Rangers fans buying large shares and eventually having enough to control the boardroom and these guys get flung out of club but we were still tied with the historic deals they'd done, like a seven-year rolling contract for strips and ten years for um, the shop for a pound, and all these things. So three years ago, we got rid of them, and we're still trying to work through these deals today. Thanks, Craig. It, uh, I'm sure our listeners, um, who are, will, the majority will be um, Newcastle United supporters, will be kind of... The, 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 the wheels will be whirring inside their heads in terms of thinking how that might be impacting on on, your, on our club. Um, we've got no evidence to say that it is or it isn't because it's a lot more opaque than it was at Rangers. Um, Craig, uh, you know, uh, football supporters are, um, are very kind of um, sentimental about the the strip and the barge and stuff like that. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what he did with the with the club crest and um, and the other kind of intellectual property of, of Rangers? Yeah, for one of the, the loans that we actually didn't need, he um, he took control of the intellectual properties, even old crests, our logo, motto, ready, all these things, and even the blooming um, mascot, everything and it gets signed over to him, so he totally controlled anything that we could make money from. Um, 
they, they set up a, a company called Rangers Retail Limited. And this was fantastic. This was one of the best deals he'd done. It was an absolute peach where he'd done it. We were sold the idea that Rangers owned 51% of Rangers Retail and Sports Direct 49. But we weren't told. Rangers shares were B shares, their shares were A shares, and A shares got double the vote. So although in paper and in the newspapers we were led to believe Rangers controlled it, we didn't. It was an absolute carver yet again. Um, and then it could go on forever and yeah. tell you a hundred different stories like that. So, um, you know, football fans, they're no different in on Glasgow than they are in Newcastle and Tyneside, etc. Um, you know, all this stuff's boring and it's kind of, and it's not stuff we want to talk about. We want to talk about the new fullback or whether or not he's going to play five at the back and three up front and, and all of these kinds of things. Craig, how did you get the message over to the uh, Rangers support in terms of what was happening to their club? We started off with leaflets, old school, and me and my mate that started Sunday's Truth, we thought we'll go out, we'll tell some Rangers fans some stuff and we'll last two weeks. Um, and it just evolved from there. And then we soon bought into the idea that social media was a good outlet. And the numbers we were getting and reading our articles, etc., was above most of the uh, the big press up here, the Daily Record, Evening Times, etc. We were outstripping them with, with, with hits on our, our stories as they were coming out. So we, that was the main way of doing it. As soon as we started the protests at the stadium, the press all wanted to know us. And we, we, we really found it quite easy to get into the mainstream. Um, press up your TV, radio and newspaper probably easier because it was one of the big two up here there is really only two clubs up here so more difficult probably for other fans and we made the headlines we were controlling what was getting written in the front and back pages we we ended up better at PR than the PR guys they were paying ridiculous amounts of money to Um, and it was just hard work and it was not getting put off when people were telling you you were a liar and people telling you you were wrong and how dare you attack your club. We never attacked Rangers Football Club. We attacked the people that were ripping off Rangers Football Club um, and just getting on with the job. Um, we had to get the message out. We got the message out. The, we never at any point got 100% backing from 100% of Rangers fans. That wasn't important. We just had to get enough to believe what we were doing was correct and join us when we, we, we were doing protests and boycotts and, and any actions that we were doing. Thanks Craig and obviously um, Sons of Truth has is, is risen to be one of the most prominent uh, supporters organisation in the uh, in the country and uh, Craig's too modest to say it but he's been a driving force behind that and it's a, it's a real asset to uh, Newcastle United supporters now who are pulling things together and starting campaigning maybe later than we should have done, etc. But, um, Craig, in terms of your um, advice and counsel um, for those who are organising things now and um, and pulling campaigns together, could you kind of describe what your roadmap would be in terms of building up a supporters organisation as effective as Sons of Truth and maybe some of the pitfalls that they should avoid as well? You just need to ignore the politics. There's no such thing as an Uber fan but there's too many people think they are the Uber fan and they don't want somebody. I was unknown, nobody had heard of me. I'd been following Rangers quietly for 30 odd years when we started Sons of Truth. My starting position was zero. Financially, exposure, uh, name, nobody knew anything about me, but just persistence. And if somebody wants to tell you you're doing something wrong, ignore them and move on. 
go and find the people that are telling you that you're right and you believe in you. And it doesn't matter if it's, well, as you, you know, we've got Sons of Truth, we've got Rangers supporters, trust, we've Rangers first, we had all these different things at the time, and it just didn't matter who was doing it. What mattered is somebody done it. And we were fortunate that we got the majority of the established um, parties involved quite early and they bought into what we were doing and we had them on side. But the ones who didn't come on side, don't argue with them. Don't waste energy with them. Just go and do what you, you know is right and forget the politics. Thanks for that, Craig. I think that's uh, wise words and something that we would um, we would recognise it at Newcastle where there is a queue of people who are ready to piss up the leg of, of anyone that wants to do something um, something positive to challenge um, the cancer that's inside of our club at the moment and um, and I don't use that word lightly and anyone that knows me will know that I won't use that word lightly um, but I'm just pleased to welcome um, Mark Dingwall who is the um, editor of the long-running Rangers fanzine um, Follow Follow which I noticed has just celebrated its 30th anniversary um, this week uh, I believe so. Well, he says he's only 40. <laughs> well, I know. But, um, uh, well, he's only been reading it for 25 years. <laughs> um, so welcome, Mark, and, um, and it's great to have you here. I really, I really uh, um, appreciate you being here. And you're, you're a lad who's had quite a few dealings with um, probably Newcastle, well, definitely Newcastle's hit, most hated person, Mike Ashley, as well. Do you want to tell us about what your perception of the man is and what he's done? At Rangers, when I uh, first came across him, I think it was when he, when Hammer Sports Direct bought Umbro, which uh, Rangers were involved with at the time, and I remember our late lamented uh, chief executive Martin Bain, who achieved so much down at Sunderland, um, and he said to me, he says, uh, he says, Matt, uh, sorry, he said, he said, Mike Ashley's a destroyer of brands, you know, and it's a problem that he's, he's getting involved with Umbro. Um, because, you know, essentially, he might make money, but in terms of brands, he destroys them. You know, he sucks out what he wants from them and does whatever he does with them. So that was the first time I came across Ashley. And then, obviously, um, as he allied himself with what we called the Spivs, who are in charge of our club, um, then his behaviour has been absolutely outrageous. Um, you know, getting the name and rights for the stadium for a pound, taking security over the stadium... And uh, you know the various loans he gave us, which you know we could only see it been worked up to a point where you know the club would um, would would effectively be refinanced, which would involve you know squeezing out all the, the small shareholders, him running it as a as a as a personal fiefdom, and I think the the vista we had was that the club to refinance itself would sell the stadium, flog off the training ground. And we'd be buying, we'd be essentially renting the ground from some American pension company, and that uh, you know what had been our um, jewel in the crown, our, our retail operation, which in the old days used to make three and a half to four million a year, um, would be hived off to him, and we'd be lumping along as we have been under this current uh, onerous contract of you know you know 150, 200 grand a year, uh, you know a pittance. And so that's what we see, you know, Ashley is by his behaviour of him and his executives. Um, then I, I certainly would uh, share your characterisation of him as a cancer. And if you look at what he's, his company's doing, you know, the other clubs he's getting involved with, you know, running their retail operations, their shops at other clubs in England, then I would say to fans of those clubs, you know, um, 
initially you might get a few bob more than you expected. In the long run, he'll attempt to do to you what he's attempted to do to us. Well, you know, if something works for you, you try and do it again. As, as I remember Craig telling me uh, once when I was up here on a, another um, trip to trip to Gla- trip to Glasgow. Um, just jumping forward a bit now in terms of um, seeing where Rangers are at in terms of the relationship with uh, with Mike Ashley. Um, I noticed there was a court case recently. Um, which one of you lads wants to tell me? Are probably going to tell you the exact same thing about that as well. The, the court case was hopefully to be the last um, dealings we had with him. We, we signed over from a seven-year rolling contract to a 12-month contract last summer. And like any Ashley deal, there's no non-disclosures all over it. <clears throat> Some of the, the um, details we weren't aware of at the time. And we were told it was a 12-year, sorry, a 12-month contract. And we were led to believe that would be it. A few months later, our accounts came out and it quite clearly showed that there was a £3 million fee paid to Sports Direct. That was one term that we weren't aware of. Mm. Our board knew, however, that obviously that would need to come out in accounts. The other thing that didn't become um, publicly uh, knowledgeable until the court case was at the end of that contract, there was a matching right that Sports Direct had the ability to match any offer we get for a third party. And that's what's still getting argued just now. They put an injunction on Rangers um, to stop us doing any deal with anybody that got lifted last week or the week before and the court case will go wherever the court case goes I'm quite confident it will still go in our favour but it's a legal battle that could go either way so that's where we are but see when you think the stuff we've went through and it's horrible sitting here talking about memories from three, four years ago that you happen to forget and just enjoy Stevie Gerrard for a while but as a football fan to think back when you consider what he'd done to our club owning 10% of the club the thing that horrifies me and should horrify your fans is what is he doing to your club that you don't know about? And unfortunately, you might never know. Or when you do get to know, it's when eventually it's sold. And like our club, all these erroneous contracts start coming out when they start to get renewed. And how any self-respecting Newcastle fan can sit in their arse and no join news boys that want to do some action, I'll never know. I worked in the northeast of England. My father was uh, worked in shipbuilding. My grandfather worked in um, coal mining. Very similar to probably most of the people listening to this podcast. And when I sat in the northeast of England, uh, when I worked down there, if I seen a cockney, particularly a fat, gross, greedy one, coming in and taking a stool off you in your Irish club or some sort, you'd soon take it off him. Yet, I see apathy from a lot of your support. I see a few good guys try to do good things and generate. And to be fair, that mob just pulled a 3,000 last week at the shop. Fantastic. Um, and it needs more. And it doesn't need to be he's done a protest last year. It doesn't need to be another protest in a year's time. It needs to be every single living minute, every single day. Because to have one protest a year, regardless of getting 3,000 or that sort of number, is not enough. It's a great start and that's what you should be looking at. And the people who maybe sat in their arse that day and didn't bother getting into the city centre just do it the next time the next time the guys that want to do something don't sit and argue about the, f- the you know the finer detail of a protest get bloody on the streets and do something about it because it will frighten you and you won't be frightened totally until he's away and you start seeing what he's doing to your club but consider what he's done to us with 10% what's he done with you with 100% I think if you look at um, like Craig was mentioning there, the current contract I mean Things were supposed to be sorted out last summer. 
and uh, Sports Direct through the joint venture company eventually paid 1.2 million. That was money that they had simply retained and refused to pay out as a dividend. So it wasn't like a, a bonus for us. It was money that you know Rangers were owed. But that's the way he does business. Just refused to pay it full stop, starving the club of money. And like Craig's, Craig says, I think once you find uh, actually get to see the books in years to come, the the damage that's been done to your club will be undermined. Opportunities lost will be will be incredible. In terms of the fans, I wouldn't be quite as critical as your fans as others because I mean one of the things that helped us with the boycott, frankly, was we weren't in top division. So therefore, you know, if people were guaranteed to get their Celtic tickets, I think we would have had a tougher sale. You guys are playing, you know, Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City. It's difficult, but don't get angry with fans that haven't seen the light yet. What we call, and amongst the kind of fan activists up here, is people have got to make the journey. And so one of the things we did with uh, the campaigns we had against the Spivs was that we attacked in different fronts. So, for instance, if you wanted to read a, a blog that was you know, very much in at the finances, you could do that. If you wanted something that was short and sweet, we gave that. We used to we would carpet bomb the entire stadium. I mean, to leaflet Ibrox normally, if you do 5,000, uh, that was good going. We set the task of getting everybody leafleted, which is 50,000. I mean, sometimes we're going out leafleting, you know, 50, 60, 100 people um, to achieve that. And the way that we did it, it was like educational. So if you handed out a leaflet or one of the big boards to, to hand up, one side was very short and the other side was a lot more detailed, explaining, you know, the, the background to it. I think the, the beauty of what happened with, with Sons of Truth was there was other group, other groups that were... Um, that were all doing their own thing in their different ways. And the beauty of it, Sons of Truth, was it just kicked in the front door. And it was... Cheers, <laughs> <Just> Mark. <laughs> and, and it was quite simple. We know these people are bad for the club. Get them out. The first question people would come back with, yeah, what would we replace them with? And the answer was, we don't give a fuck. Because it will be better than what we've got just now. Because we reckon these people are thieves. They're bad for the club. And what's bad for Rangers... Is bad for you on a personal level. You know, your your um, the time, the money you've invested, the emotion of supporting the club. These people are literally taking the pass. In the past, there seems to be uh, there seemed to have been this kind of relationship between fans and directors, where part of the deal was they got a bit of hassle, they put in their money, and they were the bright businessmen. Right? That's been changed because what people are doing now is they're taking out millions. You know, paying themselves huge salaries and paying themselves dividends. And that's what's changed in, in British football. You know, there's no benign dictatorships anymore. You've now got people who are motivated to make for themselves and their related companies millions and millions of pounds. And I think that's the problem that, that Newcastle have got, where by any measure you're a big club, but you are relatively localised compared with, say, you know, Liverpool or, or Manchester United. And so Newcastle can't run and make a profit for other people. You've got to reinvest it in the club and you've got to maximise what you've got, the loyalty of the fans, the geographic tightness of your support and you know your, your unique heritage and, and your culture. And that means that Newcastle, if you harness all that, it makes you punch above your weight. And if you've got people who don't understand that, don't care about it, or are essentially ropping the club off, or missing opportunities, then you know you stagnate. So 
it's not an e no, nobody up here is offering you an easy solution because it took a lot of our fans and I mean let's be, be honest a lot of our own our own um, activists quite a time to realise what was going on I mean I, I could sense like look, our former player John Brown in Bomber's attitude was I know there's something wrong here I don't know quite what's wrong but it stinks mm -hmm. and we were all like that and then just gradually as things went on we started to find the evidence of what was been done in the background you know so you've got a long way to go because it will be huge amounts of money involved because of the uh, the way that the English Premier League's uh, organised I suspect that you might wake up one day to find that you've been sold to you know some investor from overseas but when that day comes, then if you're a properly organised support, you can actually say to those investors, if you want to maximise your investment, if you want to have a thriving club that's a, a fantastic advert for you and whatever other businesses you've got, then work in partnership with us because we made life difficult for Ashley. You've got to create the conditions where it's easy for how many people to go. You know, do they really want hassle all the time? No. Do they want sports direct business? Over, overshadowed by Newcastle? No, they don't. So you guys can cause enough of a stink to make it easier for them to decide to go. Very interesting, that, Mark, and um, I think that that is a very wise counsel for um, our support um, at, at this moment in the, in the club's history. One of the, one of the things that um, Newcastle fans are very um, sensitive about is, is is how they are perceived by the media and um, and there doesn't seem to be a day going by just lately where um, the most unlikely of people are commenting on our um, club's fortunes. So um, today we noticed Dennis Wise, you know, who loves Newcastle United, doesn't he? You know, he um, he's he, he's kind of um, the poison dwarf of, uh, of, of English football and we've had um, Steve Parrish and Simon Jordan and Andy Gray and Richard Keyes all opining on, on, um, on, the, on how Ashley runs our club and, and strangely they have a very, very positive view of, of, how he, of, of how he runs the club. Did you experience anything like that in terms of black yeah, propaganda, etc.? Sorry, I'll, I'll pass over to Craig. Now. We, we had um, whole radio stations who would not say a negative word about him. And it was funny because the amount of relationships I built up personally and like folk like Mark who'd more experience than me had previously with people in every newspaper and every TV station, but you would have a particular radio station that would never have never phone him, never phone me, never phone any of the main guys, and they were infested with people that were wheeling out from left, right and centre to say, by the way, this board aren't that bad. And it, you, yeah, listen, you, you're going to need you're going to need to put up with that, but you've got to get into the the mind of the fans that Dennis Wise might be wrong. We we were very lucky as well that we had ex players because ex players are very important. Nobody knew who Craig Houston was four or five years ago, but they all knew who John Brown was, Nacho Novo, Michael Moles, Marco Negri, all these people who we managed to get out to say they're bad. Um, so you need to, you need to you need to get on with the job. Um, so what? So what if Dennis Wise says Mike Ash is okay? So so we've got a we've got a certain number nine, uh, ex former Newcastle United striker called um, Alan Shearer. You might have heard of him, um, who is a host on the Match of the Day show on um, on Saturdays normally, um, and um, and he was pretty explicit in his criticism of. Of, of Mike Ashley but we also have kind of people like Shola Ramiobi and Peter Beardsley and who seem to have taken the Sports Direct chilling 
um, and uh, and cause consternation amongst the ranks. How do you th- how do you think supporters should respond to um, those sorts of sorts of situations, Mark? I wouldn't get too uh, I wouldn't get too carried away by the cult of celebrity. The way the way I tend to look at it is most people, if they're susceptible to receiving your message, they're susceptible to it. And the people who appear to be either puppets or paid puppets, they'll be gradually ignored by the fans as they wake up. One of the things I would I would give advice to yourself and other what I would call activist fans is read everything, read the accounts, read the uh, read the transcripts of, of court cases because it's in them that you find the nuggets. Look, for instance, look Rangers when you read the court case, suddenly you find there's another three or four court cases going on at the same time, but they've been subject to interdict or sorry injunctions to call them in, in England, so they can't even report from the court. So you see how they do their business through these little glimpses and you can get them through the accounts you can get them through court reports and no doubt there'll be, there'll be loads of uh, you know, Newcastle fans who are working for you know, lawyers, accountants uh, the newspapers and you'll get information there. I mean one of the things we found what they did was they put an awful lot of effort into finding, you know, making sure that they had a point man, this is the that the Spibs had a point man in virtually every newspaper so that you know he would be given information by the Spibs so that he was seen as like the expert in the Rangers situation but of course very biased expert and so when we're trying to put stuff in there as soon as we're launching a campaign the opposition's getting alerted by the by the mainstream media so what we did was we essentially we created our own media and uh, we had a situation where we actually found some of the emails were referring to Craig, me, ex-journalist called David Leggett, Chris Graham and another fans activist. We were been described as the arch agitators, and it was you know the tone of them was quite simply: we've got to get these clowns in court, we've got to wait for them to slip up, get them into court, and shut them up. And you know we had that with loads and loads of legal threats. I think I had well, don't know if they've got it down south, but. You can get a senior policeman can sign off for an internet warrant to, to get information about stuff on your website. So I was getting that harassment day and day like I had 17 visits from the police. Craig had threats of uh, <coughs> losing his home and, and, and his shoes, shoes and suits and whatever. Super, uh, 200,000, arrested four times without charge. Just it's ridiculous. Just things that a standard fan wouldn't shouldn't have to put up with just for standing up for his club. But going back to your point about how do we... How do we um, combat Dennis Wise saying one thing and, and Shearer saying another? You're no different from the majority of normal fans that support Newcastle. Like, you get it. You can smell shite when it's put in front of you. You, you don't get hit up on it. Just get enough stuff out there that's the truth. The truth will always shine through. And if Peter Beardsley or any of these other characters want, and Dennis Wise want to be the salesman for Mike Ashley, because you know there's some benefit for them somewhere along the line. Just let them. The fan, fans aren't football fans are not stupid. So don't worry about it too much. Don't get hit up on it. That's not your fight. Your fight's the end game, and the end game is getting rid of him. And you just need to be consistent and constant and truthful. Nobody can nobody can defeat the truth. So uh, we're on to final words now because we've been going 30 minutes and it has been absolutely brilliant. I'm really thankful to Craig and uh, Mark here who um, have inspired me actually when they've been talking. I think it's a Glasgow twang, isn't it? Um, it's, a lead- it's a leadership accent, isn't it? Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, give the, I'll give the last word to Mark in terms of um, his kind of um, shout-out to Newcastle supporters in terms of what 
what we should do next. What we'd say to you is you can get bamboozled by facts and figures and financial rigmarole, but you know your club far better than any white boy from London or his acolytes. You know that for the long term, best interest of Newcastle, he has to go. People that support him, they have to go. And that you might not... I mean, when we finally get rid of the spibs, you know, it hasn't been a fairy story. It's still... You know, there's another fight around the corner. But your club has been hamstrung by being involved with this guy. And so if you've got a duty to go to support Newcastle, support your team. I don't have any problems with that. But I would say to you, make an effort, whether it's phoning a radio station, writing to a newspaper, taking part in the protests, is you've got to get this guy out because your club will not flourish the way that it can do while he's still involved. There's only one thing that Mike actually cares for in the whole universe, and it's Sports Direct. So, guess what you should go for? It's the only thing it gets to. We've heard it, folks. Um, I'd just like to thank Mark and I'd like to thank Craig, who I think are shining examples of, of what we should be following at Newcastle United. And, um, and, I, th- and I think um, I'd like to thank them both for um, giving their time. Um, two great lads. Um, I know Craig a lot better than I know Mark. Um, and I have to say that both of them uh, absolutely live and breathe their football club, like many of us live and breathe our club. And... Um, And thanks again, lads. It's been a privilege to listen to you tonight. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.